Hi, everyone. This is Peter Brower, and you are listening to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. On today's episode, you'll be hearing a Bible study that I taught. It is the third part in a six-part series on the Torah. So if you haven't heard the first two episodes yet on this topic, I encourage you to go back and do that. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the themes found in the Torah, the theme of covenants. Uh, Throughout the Torah, God is entering into covenants with his people, these partnerships founded upon a promise that are made simply out of love. And as we take a look at some of the covenants that God made, we'll begin to see who God is and what he's like and and what his heart is for his people. We'll, We'll also see how we are called to live as his children, how they lead us to a greater life of faith. And then ultimately, we'll see how all of these Old Testament covenants are leading us to the final covenant, the eternal covenant that God made in his son, Jesus. Uh, That's enough, though, for now. Don't want to spoil the episode for you. So thank you for listening. Let's jump right in. We all wonder where the world came from. Uh, People have asked questions uh, about the beginnings of the world since the beginning of time, right? Out of just even a simple sense of curiosity, you have to wonder, where did the trees and the plants and the animals and the rivers and the mountaintops and the sunrise, where did they get their start? Um, but, but probably even maybe a little bit more selfishly than that, we, we all wonder, where, where did I come from? What's my origin? And as you probably know, people have come up with lots of different answers for the creation of the world, for the creation of humankind. Lots of different stories have been told along the way, and I'll let you go find most of those on your own. But in the beginning of the Bible, in the very opening pages, God answers that burning question that's deep down inside of all of us. In Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, God is describing to us how we got our beginnings. He's telling us our very Genesis story. Um, If I could summarize the story that we read about in the opening pages of the Bible, I think it goes something like this. In in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we're we're reading about the the place that God created, where his people, his new creation, could dwell and live in his presence as his partners for all eternity. I'll say that again, that the beginning chapters of Genesis are telling us the story of the place that God is creating, where his people could dwell in his presence, living as his partners. That's the story that we read. That's, that's, the, that's what the garden is, right? That the Garden of Eden is the place where, where God's dwelling place, heaven, comes and meets and overlaps with humankind's dwelling place. And, and so that these two worlds now are, are suddenly one. It's the place where where God's presence dwells with his people so that they might live together with him as his partners. Uh, This is something that God calls in the opening chapters of of Genesis chapter 1, in the opening words of Genesis 1, he says that this world he has created, that it is good. In fact, he'll even describe it as delightful. And I I love that. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the, the word Eden Uh, The Garden of Eden, it it means delight. This is a garden of delight. Why? Because God is dwelling with his people. His presence is there with his people. And they are finally living as his partners in creation. This this story then and this place of of delight, it, it tells us a lot. 
as, as we really dive in, and, and, and we won't read it all together in, in this video, but I encourage you to do that. But the creation story, Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, and even the, the opening words of Genesis chapter 4, we see this story play out, and, and, and we learn a lot of things along the way. The first thing that we learn is, is maybe something about us. We, we learn through the creation story that we are the creature rather than the creator. Uh, that we, we learn in this story that we are not the end-all, be-all. We are not the beginning and the end. We learned that we came from dust and that one day to dust we shall return. And, and so in many ways, I think that this creation story, it's humbling for us. And, and rightly so. Uh, if, if we begin to build ourselves up a little bit too high or, or maybe think a little too highly of ourselves, the, this story brings us back to the beginning. And it reminds us, I am the creature rather than the creator. It's humbling. Uh, but this creation story then, I, I think in many ways, is, is empowering. Because in, in Genesis chapter 1 and, and verses 26 through 29, we, we, we learn about what this life as God's creature was meant to be. And one of the things it was meant to be was it was meant to be a life of blessing. After God creates Adam and Eve, he, he blesses them and he sends them out. We are told that, that as God's creatures, we were made in his image. And there's lots of debate over what that means, right? But, but just... Let's just dwell on that for a minute, right? We are made in the image of God. Whatever that means, it's, it's something beautiful and wonderful. As we have this deep and abiding connection with our Savior as his creatures. And, and so to be a creature of God is a wonderful thing. It's an encouraging reality. It, it's meant, as we dwell on that, to embolden us and, and, and strengthen us um, you see, what it means to be a creature, too, is, is that we are partners with God. We are sent out to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue and work the earth. Uh, that's what we read about in Genesis chapter 1. Let me just read a, a few words for you. Um, I'll, I'll start here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, because I think this really tells us a lot about who we are. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, God, when he created us, he longed to work through us. He wanted to partner with us to, to keep the work of creation going on. At the end of six days, in one sense, then God's work was was done, but it wasn't complete, right? He was going to work through Adam and Eve to fill the earth that he had just now created, to tend to the garden. Uh, so what a beautiful, wonderful thing it is to be a creature. Yes, it's humbling, but it's also so em empowering. Uh, there is one last humbling reminder that the story of creation tells us if we read it all the way through and if we make our way to chapter 3. And, and, and what it tells us, what the creation story tells us about ourselves is, is that we are sinners. And there's just no way uh, around it. It's, it's in our blood, you could say, dating back all the way to, to Adam and Eve. Uh, that, that the sin that lives in us today has a long history through humanity. 
And it's there within us, and there's no escaping us. And that's a problem for us. Uh, but as, as we begin to focus on our creator, God, we'll begin to see that he has the solution, that, that he has the antidote for who we are and the things that we've done. Uh, but for now, that's who we are. We are the creature, and that's humbling. From dust we, we are, and to dust we shall return. It's also empowering because we, we, are, we were meant and created to live a life of blessing as God's partners uh, sent out to, to live in his image, to continue his work of creation. Uh, and so that's who we are, the creature. Uh, the story then also tells us a lot about who God is. Right? He's the creator God. He is the end-all, be-all. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who made this world and everything in it. It's a story that, that speaks to his immense power and sovereignty. Right? It's also, though, a story that speaks to his love. Because when God this, made this world, he didn't do so under obligation. Right? There, who was there to oblige him to make this this world. He didn't do it out of a sense of guilt. No, he, he created this world simply out of love. Uh, God's creatures, the creation that he made, it was a choice he made. He didn't have to make this world, but because of his great love, he chose to do that. So again, when we when we focus on who God is in this creation story, on the one hand, it's it's, it's humbling, as we are humbled under God's amazing power. He could do things that we could never dream of. Who else could, could form the mountains and, and create the lakes and the oceans and, and the intricacies of our bodies? It's, it's a humbling thing to think about the amazing power that God has. But it's also, once again, as we saw in ourselves, it's also so encouraging to know that we have a God who has chosen to create us and continues to choose to sustain us simply out of love. Uh, something else, though, something really important that I think we learn about God along the way is that he is a, not a God of chaos and confusion. Uh, but the creation story reveals to us that he is a God of orderliness. And, and we see it each day that God had those opening six days, and the opening seven days, really, there's there was a specific job to be done, and on each day God did them. In the first three days, we see God setting the boundaries of the world, of the heavens, of the earth, uh, of the seas. On the next three days, we see God filling those spaces, right? He begins to put the birds in, in the sky and, and the animals on the earth and the humans here to take care of it. God is orderly. He's not a God of chaos or confusion. He's a God of orderliness. So we learn a lot about our, ourselves. And we also learn a lot about God. Uh, this is our Genesis story. And, and just reflecting on, on that uh, answers a lot of our questions, doesn't it? When we wonder, like, who am I and how did I get here? The, the creation story fills a lot of those blanks in. And, and it helps us make sense out of our own existence. Why does this world seem to be so broken? Because we're, we're sinners. And, and yet, why do I feel this calling to create and make and do? Because... We were creating God's image. And then it, it points us to, to uh, a life of rest and faith as we trust in, in the God who made us and everything and everyone around us. Uh, having said that, uh, I want to move on now to, uh, to talk about something that I brought up uh, at, at the beginning. And, uh, and, and that is this idea of, of the Garden of Eden being the place where, where God's people dwell in God's presence uh, as his partners 
in, in the world. Uh, that's something I touched on in the beginning. I want to get back to that idea. And, and, and really what I'd like to talk about is, is the Garden of Eden as, as really the first and original temple or tabernacle. We're going to read more about the tabernacle. We're going to talk about it in a future video. Uh, but if I could just summarize it quickly, the, the tabernacle, uh, which was the tent that God lived in, and then eventually the temple, which was its permanent um, uh, manifestation. The, the tabernacle and the, the temple were the places where God's people could dwell in God's presence and be equipped and, and cleansed to live as his partners in the world. And again, isn't that what the garden is? Both the tabernacle, the temple, and the Garden of Eden were these places where God's people lived in God's presence as his partners. So you could say in a, in a sense that the, the temple and the tabernacle were recapturing something that was lost and broken by sin. Right When Adam and Eve sinned and they broke that relationship uh, in the Garden of Eden by, by eating the fruit, by doing the one thing that God told them not to do, uh, that, that place where God could live fully and completely in, in the presence of his people as, as their partners, that was broken. And, and yet the, the tabernacle and then the temple was a place that you could go to, a physical place here on earth, uh, like the garden, where, where some of that glory would be recaptured, where once again you could draw near to God and walk and talk in his presence. And as we read the Torah, we're, we're going to see um, uh, lots of examples of how the tabernacle and then the temple reflect the Garden of Eden, how much of the imagery from the Garden of Eden is, is picked up in uh, those later stories of the tabernacle and temple. And so I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and read for you, if, if you don't mind, just kind of highlighting some of the similarities between the Garden of Eden and then the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, the first one comes from this word walking. In the beginning stories of Genesis, we are told that uh, Adam and Eve walk and talk with God in the garden. That God is actually walking in the garden, right? Again, being present with his people. We read about that in Genesis 3 verse 8. Um, but that same word that God walks with his people in the garden is referred to in, in God's activity in the temple. So in Leviticus 26.12 and Deuteronomy 23.14, we, we learn that it is within the, the tabernacle that God is once again walking with his people. We see that the imagery that is reflected between the two. Um, uh, another example would be uh, this word that is used to describe what Adam does in the garden, which is that Adam is meant to work and keep the garden. That same word, work and keep the garden, is also used of what the priests do in the temple. They are to work and keep the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, and uh, another example of this would be the, the tree of life. Uh, the tree of life is, is one of the trees that God planted there in the garden. And then uh, the, the temple and the tabernacle reflect that imagery in the lampstand. The, the lampstand um, uh, we, we believe much of the imagery of, for that lamp is found and taken from the tree of life. Uh, in, in Genesis, in the opening chapters, we're, we're told that after Adam and Eve sin and they're cast out from the garden, that there's a cherubim, an angel, that guards the garden, right? That guards God's dwelling place, that, that special uh, place of delight. Uh, well, we're told later on in the tabernacle and the temple that there's a cherubim that guards the Ark of the Covenant. There are two cherubim that are, are actually kind of physically attached to it uh, that represent the, the holy angels watching over God's dwelling place. 
So again, we, we see the, the similarities between uh, the two. Uh, we know that both the garden and then the tabernacle include lots of trees and wood. Uh, the tabernacle is kind of reflecting the garden again in that way. Both the, the entrance to the garden and then the entrance to the tabernacle and the temple were, were meant to face east. Uh, we know that both the garden and then the temple tabernacle have rivers flowing from them. Uh, Ezekiel and Revelation will, will pick up on this imagery and describe God's holy temple and, and the rivers of life that flow out from them. Uh, and, then, and then finally, Sabbath rest is, is the culmination of both the Garden of Eden uh, the Garden of Eden and its creation is, has as its culminating day, the, the Sabbath day, the seventh day. And, and the same is true of, of the tabernacle and the temple. They are to result in rest for God's people. And, and so we, we see this imagery from the garden reflected through the tabernacle. That God wants to have a place where his people can dwell in his presence and be equipped to live as his partners. Um, so lots of examples there for, for you to, 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 to take a look through. Uh, all of those notes are in your study guide too. The, the last thing I want to touch on is, is this idea of creation as being a theme throughout the Torah. So it's not as though God just created the world in the six days that we read about in Genesis and then his work of creation was done, right? That he just kind of stepped back and walked away kind of washed his hands and said, I'm done. No, we see a, in the Torah a God who is constantly creating and recreating and bringing about new beginnings. And, and so we see it in Adam and Eve. Uh, we also see it in Noah, right? We talked about this last time, how uh, after the flood, God brings about another creation story of, of sorts, right? And he does it again through his partner, through, through Noah and, and Noah's family. And, and that God even gave the same command to Noah as he gave to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, he said, and fill the earth. God continuing to create and continuing to do it through his people. We also see it through Abraham, right? That through Abraham, God is going to create this new family, this worldwide family. Again, he's going to do it through his partner, through Abraham. And, and God is going to live and dwell with these people. Uh, we, we also see it through Moses. Moses, who's going to lead the people into the promised land, right? This new land filling uh, full of milk and honey. Sounds kind of like the, the delight of the Garden of Eden, another new creation for his people. Uh, this theme of, of creation will then continue throughout the, not only the Torah, but also throughout the scriptures. And this theme of creation and recreation, it will find its fulfillment and its culmination in none other than Jesus. Because it is in Jesus that we find our final and eternal recreation. It is in Jesus that we are made new, that the old is gone and the new has come. And so uh, we said last week, as we talked about the Torah and we kind of introduced some of the themes throughout, we said that the purpose of the, the Torah was to create faith in us and to create a longing within us for a Savior. And isn't that what the story of creation does, right? It is meant to create faith in us. We, we see that we have a creator God who has proved himself to be so good, so powerful, so loving, and so faithful, so worthy of our faith. Uh, our God is trustworthy. And so we're strengthened and encouraged in our, our walk of faith. But also in the creation story, there is this longing that's created. 
a, a longing to, to return to uh, that garden-like place where we as God's people might, might dwell in God's presence, living as his partners. And, and that longing is only increased once Adam and Eve fall into sin and we see ourselves in Adam and Eve and, and we realize the problem that we have and, and that we need a, a, a recreation. And, and what we need is someone to, to kind of stop the cycle, to put an end to the cycle of creation and sin and fall and brokenness and, and recreation. And, and we know as Christians that, that Jesus is the one who brings about our final and eternal recreation. This story today, Genesis 1 through 3, creates that longing for us, a longing that is finally fulfilled in Christ our Savior. Dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, it is in Jesus that you are made new. It is in Jesus that God's presence fully dwells with you, his people. And it is through Jesus and through the Spirit of Jesus that you are equipped to live as his partners in God's kingdom. God wants to work through you today. You're a partner of Jesus to bring about his love and mercy and his grace to a world that so desperately needs it. Well, I encourage you to spend some more time reflecting on this creation story. What a beautiful story it is. And it explains a lot, doesn't it? It explains where we came from. It explains how we got to where we are today. It explains our callings in the here and now and the attitudes and the faith we're meant to live with, right? A, a, an attitude of humility because we're the creature, not the creator. A, an attitude of, of confidence and boldness, knowing that we have a creator who, who loves us with an amazing love. None of us is an accident. And, and then uh, we live with a calling to live as partners with our Savior Jesus in whom we find our final and eternal recreation. Well, God bless everyone. Thank you for watching today's episode. Look forward to continuing this series on the Torah with you. So until next time, God bless. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Deeply Rooted Podcast. I hope that you are blessed by our time together in the Word of God and pray that your roots went a little bit deeper. If you could do three things for me as we close our time together today, I would be blessed. First, if you could subscribe to this podcast, I would love that. That would be an easy way for you to listen to all future episodes and continue to get our updates. Second, if you could share what you heard today, I would really appreciate that. There should be an easy way to do that, to share this to your Facebook page, and I would be blessed by that. And then finally, if you could leave a review, I would love to hear what you think and, and how this episode went. So if you could share, subscribe, and leave us a review, I would be blessed. God bless you, everyone. And until next time, this is Peter Brower on the Deeply Rooted Podcast.